It will be the biggest corporate acquisition of the year if it goes through. AT&T's pending $84.5 billion acquisition is not only massive, it's controversial and political. Time Warner shares plummeted after Wall Street Journal reported that the U.S. Justice Department is preparing for litigation in case it decides to sue to block the deal. But Bloomberg intelligence litigation analysts say it's more likely than not that the deal will close. Joining us to sort this out is Daniel Lyons, a professor at Boston College. Dan, the Justice Department routinely prepares lawsuits to block major deals, even while it's negotiating settlements. And it's rare for the DOJ to litigate over a vertical merger. So what's your analysis of the situation? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I think the surprising thing here isn't that the Department of Justice is preparing the lawsuit. As you said, I think that's sort of common practice. Uh, one, it gives the Justice Department a little bit more leverage in negotiating with AT&T. And two, it's the necessary precursor to filing a case uh, in Plan B in case the deal winds up not going through. That having been said, I think the surprising thing here is that the details leaked out to the public, that somebody at Justice's uh, made a decision to uh, issue the uh, to, to let this be known as a negotiating tactic or for some other reason. Well, Daniel, why, why would they do that? Well, one reason is um, if the uh, agreement is actually uh, stuck up on a, a handful of uh, particulars, uh, it gives them a little bit of leverage by using the bully pulpit, right, going out to the public and saying, you know, if you don't come to uh, agreement on this, you don't agree to our terms, then we may wind up going ahead with Plan B and filing a lawsuit. Uh, it, it, to the extent that spooks investors, and it seems that it, it may have given the stock price, it may uh, cause the company to give a little more than it otherwise would. Daniel, what antitrust issues does this raise, and can they be remedied? So that's a really good question, right? Typically, when the DOJ is looking at a merger, it's something like um, uh, when Staples tried to, apply office, uh, tried to buy Office Max, right? a horizontal merger where uh, one company is buying a competitor, and the concern is that you're reducing the number of choices. A vertical merger offers sort of different issues, because when AT&T uh, purchases Time Warner, it's not removing a cable provider from the market. Rather, it, it creates incentives for AT&T to leverage strengthen one area, uh, programming, to try to get an unfair advantage over its competitors in the cable distribution space. The real concern is that AT&T does something like, for example, lock up HBO and say from now on, if you want HBO, you can only get it if you buy AT&T U-verse or um, DirecTV. Uh, or in a maybe less nefarious, less obvious way, to raise the price of HBO to competitors so that Comcast or Hulu would have to pay more for HBO content than uh, AT&T pays itself for that content. Well, so how have, um, have there been examples of vertical uh, mergers like this that have remedied those kinds of problems? Yeah, so the closest analogy to this one would be the 2011 uh, Comcast-NBC deal, where Comcast purchased uh, the NBC Universal bundle of businesses from General Electric. It was the same sort of idea, right? A cable company was purchasing upstream content in order to um, find synergies between programming and distribution. Uh, at that time, the Justice Department approved it, but approved it with a number of conditions that were what we would call behavioral in context, right? Um, restrictions that were put on the combined entity that, if they were violated, uh, would allow the Justice Department to go to court. And a lot of these restrictions had to do with making sure that you offered the NBC package of uh, 
programming uh, programs, right? The content from NBC, the network, and the various cable channels that the company owned, to make sure those were being made available to Comcast rivals on the same terms as Comcast, and in particular, making sure that they were being made available to uh, new internet-based. Uh, distribution systems like DirecTV Now and uh, PlayStation View um, so that uh, Comcast couldn't use control of programming to stop this new form of competition coming about. Daniel, what do we know about the new head of the antitrust division and whether he might have some kind of personal uh, opposition to a deal like this? So, um, Macon Delrahim was the, uh, recently confirmed as the new assistant attorney general for antitrust. He's a well-known player in antitrust uh, law, so he's uh, generally known as a straight shooter and someone who is uh, likely to enforce the rules. Um, one uh, interesting aspect about him that he brings to this discussion is that he has in the past been on record as saying he much prefers structural remedies to behavioral remedies. So what I mean by that is rather than uh, the type of deal that we see in the Comcast-NBC merger, right, where the company is allowed to go forward with some restrictions, that some rules that if they violate those rules could go to court, um, he was in favor of structural remedies. Rather than trusting you to trusting the new combined company to um, obey the limits on them, uh, instead requiring the company to divest certain assets so that it can't behave anti-competitively. Um, so it's not clear to me how that would work in this context. A number of people have floated the idea that uh, maybe the combined uh, AT&T, Time Warner, and uh, Empire would have to spin off, say, CNN. We're going to have to leave it there, Daniel. We will be talking more about this, I'm sure. That's Daniel Lyons, a professor at Boston College Law School. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, the Justice Department's investigation into interest rate manipulation at global ranks, banks reaching into executive suites.